Chapter 19 Enforcing God's Taxes Scripture is silent in regard to which human agency has the power to force payment of God's Levitical or social taxes. It is silent in this regard because Scripture does not acknowledge that any human agency has such power. The Word of God does not give any human agency the power to force compliance to God's laws of taxation, because whoever claims such power is virtually claiming to be as God on earth. But whoever can use the sword to force payment of God's taxes will, by necessity, define what is good and evil for society, and that is equivalent to claiming to be as God. There is no other possibility. Whichever agency uses the sword to enforce God's plan of taxation is going to have to define who is eligible to receive taxes. By doing so, it will define which theology, philosophy, activity, person, associations, and all other things are eligible to be supported by taxes, and which are not. Thus, it will be determining for all of society what is good and evil, godly and ungodly. In addition, those who are supported by such taxation will support the tax enforcer. They will do so because they will see the enforcer as their god, who defines for them what their responsibilities and duties are. They will attempt to please him in all things, since he will be the one who determines in principle what is good and evil for every area of society. Regardless of who wields the sword to force compliance to God's taxes, this will come to pass. It cannot be otherwise. An example of this can be illustrated with the tithes. If the state is the enforcer of the social and poor tithe, then the state must define who is eligible to receive such taxes. It cannot allow them to be paid to any agency or person that individual taxpayers choose. The state certainly cannot allow its enemies to be supported by those taxes that it obtains from its citizens. Therefore, the state will have to define which social agencies can receive the social tithe and which cannot. Since one of the primary areas where the social tithe is spent is in the area of education, the state would have to determine what educational institutions could be supported by this tax. Every school would have to comply with the state's definition of what constitutes proper education. Through the use of this tithe, the state would determine what is good and evil in the realm of education. In turn, educators would support the state since the state would be, for all intents and purposes, their god. They, in turn, would attempt to please their god by implementing the state's idea of right and wrong in the area of education. If the state enforces the poor tithe, then the state must follow the same practice. It cannot allow the enemies of the state to be supported by state-enforced taxation. It will have to define what constitutes legitimate poverty and who are the responsible poor. Those who are not responsible will not be allowed to receive aid, since they would only use these funds to undermine the state. In turn, those who received these poor taxes would see the state as their god. They would support the state because the state supported them. They would encourage others, and especially their children, to support the state's definition of poverty since they were recipients of state aid. Thus, in the area of welfare, the state would determine for all of society what was good and evil. Today's problems in the areas of education and welfare are the direct result of the state enforcement of taxation in these areas. The state has determined what is godly and ungodly in regards to education and welfare. For this reason, it is no intention of passively sitting by and allowing the continued development of Christian schools or charitable organizations. If it is truly the enforcer of taxation on earth, then it must be the definer of good and evil on earth. It cannot allow such organizations to challenge its role as God on earth. 
it must and will use everything in its power to destroy those Christians and their institutions who refuse to acknowledge Caesar as Lord. If the institutional church should have the power to force compliance to the tax laws, the situation would still be the same. It would, in effect, be the state, since whoever wields the sword on earth is the state. The organized church would define good and evil for all areas of society, and would be claiming that they were God's sole representative on earth. This is exactly the position that the Roman Catholic Church took at the time of the Reformation. It tried to prevent by force the giving of tithes and offerings to reformers, since the Roman Church considered itself the sole interpreter of the Word of God. Whoever has the power to enforce taxation has the power to direct the affairs of all of society. Neither the institutional church nor the state has been given such power by God. Church and state are segments of society, not lords over it. It is the law of God that is to be the ruler of all society. It is the Holy Ghost, working through the true church, which is the body of believers in Christ, that is the definer of God's word for man. For this reason, God has reserved to himself the power to enforce his taxes. The triune God alone wields the power on earth to force all men to render to him that which is his due in the area of social taxation. God enforces his plan of taxation by direct blessings and cursing of those persons, families, and societies that either keep his laws of taxation or refuse to do so. Those who, quote, shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in the season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, that all these curses shall come upon thee, and overtake thee, and thou shalt come down very low, and thou shalt be the tail. Deuteronomy 28, 1, 2, 12, 13, 15, 43, and 44. The promises of the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy are also echoed in God's laws dealing with his various taxes. 1. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Proverbs 3, 9-10 2. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Malachi 3.10 3. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, the poll tax, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord, when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them, when thou numberest them. Exodus 30.12 4. In regard to the use of the rejoicing tithe, Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee forever, when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 12:28. 5. In regard to the poor tithe, At the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. Deuteronomy 14:28 through 29 6. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he repay him again. 
Proverbs 19.17 7. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Proverbs 28.27 8. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thine field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. Deuteronomy 24.19 9. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Malachi 3.8-9 These are not idle promises of God. That which God has promised is that which will come to pass. Those who obey God will be blessed by him, and those who disobey God will be cursed with a curse. The failure of ancient Israel to keep the Lord's Sabbath resulted in their destruction and deliverance into Babylonian exile for seventy years. Quote, and them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath, to fulfill threescore and ten years. Second Chronicles 36, 20-21 Those who do not pay God's taxes are counted as robbers of God. They are robbers because they have refused to use these funds for the Lord's purposes, but instead have retained them to satisfy their own lusts and reprobate desires. Any who use these funds that are holy unto the Lord for their own purpose are committing sacrilege. They are committing sacrilege since they are using that which belongs to the Lord as if it belonged to themselves. They are thieves and robbers of those things that God has consecrated to himself. God does not allow sacrilege to go unpunished. As Webb and Neal have pointed out, property consecrated to God in the service of his church has generally, when alienated to secular purposes, brought misfortune on its possessors, whether by strange accidents, by violent deaths, by loss of wealth, or, and that chiefly, by failure of heirs male, and such property hardly ever continues long in one family. Whether it was in ancient Israel or in more recent times, the history of sacrilege has been the history of misfortune for those nations, families, and persons who have practiced it. Henry VIII's dissolution of church properties and lands is a case in point. Out of 630 families who had gained church lands from the time that Henry began his campaign against the church in 1536, only 14 of these families continued to exist by the year 1632. To the families who took such lands, their gain was temporary, but their loss was permanent. God, unlike man, never lies. Those who commit sacrilege will be punished. But those people in that nation which diligently hearkens unto the voice of the Lord will be set on high above all people and above all nations on the earth, and shall have the blessings of God come upon them and overtake them. Deuteronomy 28, 1-2 In the final analysis, God must be the direct enforcer of his plan of taxation in regard to the Levitical or church taxes. It cannot be otherwise. If any human agency were to have the power to force compliance to God's laws in regard to such taxation, then that agency would be the only competent authority on earth for the interpretation of the word of God. But, quote, No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 The ability to read and understand scripture is not confined to one human agency or to a few select men. 
It is open to all those who are redeemed in Christ and comforted by the Holy Spirit. God, not man, must be the enforcer of his plan of taxation if man is ever going to be free from the arbitrary rule of men and be governed by the law of God.